Hello, Lions Hook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lions Hook Thoughts Podcast. I'm very excited to be doing this episode. Um, I really enjoy the solo episodes because it's kind of time for me to just think, say what I'm thinking and kind of get into everything that I've been thinking about in the last couple of weeks. And this one isn't based off of uh, necessarily one person's uh, topic, but this has been a couple of themes that have been coming up over the last couple of uh, Instagram questions I put out on what you want to hear. And I just put one out today. Um, for the next solo episode, but this is, these are kind of the themes that I've been talking to with chefs and kind of the things that people have been asking me about, uh, maybe not even in questions, but in DMs. And it's something I kind of wanted to get into because I really think it's important to find themes that people ask you in general and put that out there because maybe this isn't something that you would ask right out front, but it's something I think that is interesting. So the three things we're going to be talking about today is one, the idea of a chef as an entrepreneur. And what that means in today's age, what what the word chef maybe means in today's age, and where I think it's going to be going in the next couple of years, and what I admire most about chefs right now who have their hands in more than one project or have multiple restaurants. So I'm very excited to get into that topic because I think it's important to touch on what so many people are trying to do, and that's become these people that are you know, very successful in different ways and different avenues. And we talked about it with uh, Chef Lewis in a couple podcasts ago about, you know, not being stuck in one box, not being pigeonholed. And I really think it's important to focus in on that and to just kind of get going on more than one thing. And when you're working in a kitchen, it's very hard, especially when you dedicate a bunch of hours in the week to just one job. And I think when you kind of take a step back and realize that there's more time in your day than you actually realize, you can start to accomplish more. And it's something that took me a long time to realize. But like, Every hour of my day is spent doing something meaningful, even if it's relaxing. And I just, I really appreciate time. I really appreciate the hours I have. I really appreciate what I'm doing in each and every day. And I'm kind of rambling right now. So we're going to get into it a little bit later. Basically, that's what I do. That's what I focus on is how do I spend my hours? How do I spend my time? And how to make each hour meaningful, whether it be me sitting down and watching YouTube videos for two hours or recording a podcast. Like this morning, I woke up at 545. It's my day off. And I spent the last hour going over what I wanted to talk about in this podcast. And here I am at 730 a.m. recording the podcast. On most people's day off, they're not even awake by the time I'm doing this. I woke up, literally I woke up today at 545 and I'm ready to go. I went to bed early last night. I wanted to maximize my day off. So here I am, and I think it's very important to recognize that you need to be maximizing your hours. So we're going to get into that and what it really means to be an entrepreneurial chef. In my point of view, obviously, I have a long way to go in my career, but obviously you all listen to me for a reason, so that's what I'm going to get into. Second is something I'm really passionate about or something I really enjoy is cookbook collecting. And a lot of chefs and cooks have asked me about my favorite cookbooks and what I really like, what I look for in a cookbook, why I have might have so many. And I have a lot of cookbooks. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's not really insane, but I can only imagine at the end of my career how many books I'm going to have. I'm probably going to be able to fill a library. Because right now I'm sitting on about 30 cookbooks, maybe a couple more. And books, that's not even like books related to food. And it's just crazy how much I have. And I really just enjoy reading the books. And I haven't read them all fully, but my goal is before... I'm done with my career to, is to read all the books I have, uh, but I get them as gifts. I buy them. Um, but I just think food books are really interesting to me. So I'm going to get into that and maybe give you some book recommendations, not only cookbooks, but books based on food that I really am enjoying right now reading or have enjoyed in the past. 
Uh, and then the last topic I want to get into is something that a lot of Lion Hook Nation followers and listeners have talked about is their dishwasher and why it's important to have a solid dishwasher, why it's important to respect your dishwasher and why your dishwasher can teach you more than maybe anyone else in the kitchen. I think following a good, having a good dishwasher and following their advice and their role in the kitchen is something that most successful chefs talk about. And also that dishwashing is an entryway into the industry. I feel everyone's story starts out with, I started out as a dishwasher. Myself, I started out as a dishwasher. And to kind of break down why dishwashing is so important, not just as a job function, but as a mentality. And it's something that really just, you know, opens your your mind to the rest of the kitchen and really just gets you involved into, you know, where dishes go and whatnot, but also why you do the things you do in your certain restaurant. So I really wanted to have that conversation because I feel like as we get more and more away from our first job as a dishwasher, we kind of lose or get out of touch what it really means to be a good dishwasher. And, you know, for me, I really prided myself on being the fastest. And I'll get into my story of how I started dishwashing. But like I said, I just really want to get into why it's important to keep that mentality of being a dishwasher, or at least have that experience of being a dishwasher. And so that's what we're going to get into. Um, you know, a couple other, other things here and there. But really, I just wanted to get into those, those three solid topics. I also wanted to touch on the Bourdain episode I'm trying to do. Um, if you don't know, I'm trying to do a commemorative Anthony Bourdain episode where I get all these voice messages from y'all and put them into one podcast and release it on June 8th, which will be a year since he's passed. I think it's so important to do this. And I've gotten a couple of voice messages, but I haven't gotten as many as I'd hoped. And I really thought that, you know, a lot of you would send it in. So I really hope you do take the time to send them in because every day I get at least one person saying how much I love Anthony Bourdain in my DMs or in comments or even just on my story. And I just really think it's important to be you know, sharing why he meant so much to us. And it's not because I want to be the person who put this out, but it's just because I think he meant so much to all of us. And I think hearing why is a good part of the healing process of accepting that he's not here anymore. I mean, I know it's almost a year, but damn, like I miss him. I miss the voice. I miss the, the energy. I miss the commentary. I miss someone who for me was so much a voice for cooks and I just wanted to commemorate him in that way. So if you're able to just send me a message on Anchor, like feel free to do so. I'll give you the instructions later on in the episode. That's what really what I wanted to get into with that. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. I've also started a new type of post on my Instagram called hashtag know the cook, where I'm starting to share the people behind the quotes and dishes that I've shared on the page. And I think it's important because a lot of people send me their personal photos starting from the very beginning. Like, a lot of cooks and chefs will send me a picture of them and then a picture of their food. And I would always start sharing the picture of the food because I thought, you know, this would be a good way to start. But now as I've started to build a bigger following, I wanted to get into sharing people because at the end of the day, I want to connect people, get people jobs, get people new experiences, get people chances. And I really think it's important to do all this. So if, if you haven't sent me a picture of yourself, send me a picture of yourself. Send why you got into the industry, send your future goals, and just send your job title. And I really wanted to share it. So just keep sending those. Even if you send me a quote before, you're still going to get shared on the Instagram. I have so much content to put out, but I really just want to keep it going and keep the energy going. And my whole page is based around what you guys send me. So please just keep sending out stuff so I can share it. And then, obviously, of course, at the end of all the solo episodes, we're going to get into some line cook thoughts shared on the Instagram, maybe some that I thought were really relevant and some that I thought were very inspiring or just some that I really enjoyed reading. So that's what's going to 
happened on this episode. Um, it's kind of crazy, you know. We're on episode 23. Uh, when I started this, I didn't even think I could get past episode 10. I was very nervous. I was very... Uh, let's just, I, I just didn't know we'd get this far. And the guests I'm having on are really great. And the guests I have coming up are really, really awesome. And I'm very excited to share for you uh, the month of May and what that's kind of going to look like with guests. And, you know, the rest of April. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just been... It's been a great experience so far, and every episode I'm going to say thank you for listening and for letting this happen, because without you listening and your support and your guidance, I would not be as successful with this as I am, and I know I have a long way to go. You know, I know I have so much more to prove in terms of podcasting and Instagramming and social media and everything else I do, but so far I just feel so, such, such I feel so grateful for the audience I've built, for the people that I've surrounded myself with in terms of on social media and whatnot. And I never thought a space could exist with just positivity on social media. There's been maybe two negative comments and I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, but it's been such a positive way of reaching to y'all. And I'm just very impressed and I'm very grateful for you all every day to just support each other, prop each other up. Because at the end of the day, we all know that giving each other good advice and supporting each other is going to make everything better in the long run. You know, compassion is going to make everything better for us. And empathy is going to make everything better for us. And just showing each other that we care and we're here for each other and that we can relate and that we can talk and that we can grow and that we can be better than, you know, the stigma that chefs are brash and hiding behind the stove and even though we have so many outspoken people today, there's still that, there's still the group, you know, the collective that can sometimes be seen as negative or harsh or hard or, and yeah, cooking is hard, but it doesn't have to shape who we are as people. We can still be good. We can still be kind to each other. We can still show compassion. So I just wanted to really thank you so far for all of the support, all the positivity, not just for me, but for everyone that's commented on the posts, on the pages that's been like, wow, that story really touched me. And every day I get these great stories and examples and I just, I don't know, it shaped my worldview so much over the last four months and I don't know how else I would have gotten this without doing this. So thank you just so much for believing in my mission and my goal maybe to just learn about you as people and just to learn about the industry in a better light. And I'm really thankful for that and yeah, that's why I do this. That's why I get so excited to record these episodes. So thank you all so much, Line Cook Nation. Don't forget, if you haven't gotten some merchandise, check out linecookthoughts.com. It's very easy, very simple. You go to linecookthoughts.com, page is right there. You get a shirt or a hat, you check out, you're done. I know your time is valuable. I made it super easy for you all to get. Uh, But like I said, thank you so much. And I truly appreciate everything. And I just wanted to give a shout out to, you know, everyone out there who's doing their own thing, doing their own side business, side hustle. I see a lot of young cooks, you know, running these small businesses and, you know, direct to consumer items such as like a chocolate Easter egg or, you know, anything you're doing right now, if you're just selling stuff on the side while working just to make a profit and also get your name out there and you build your brand. If that's what you're doing, you have these side hustles. I just, a shout out to you because I get so inspired seeing all of you young chefs and cooks who are my age, just building their brand, building their, 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 future into something so much bigger and you're starting young and you're doing what you need to do and I just I I'm inspired by it so thank you so much for believing in yourself so much all right episode here we go with this sorry I had coffee this morning so I'm ready to go so here we go in the episode
the chef as an entrepreneur, what does it mean? How did we get here? So basically, I don't know. I think it's a very exciting time to be in the food industry. I think you have so many valuable idols to look up to, such as Dominique Crenn, Danny Meyer, Kwame Onowachi. I just think you have so many different people to look up to in terms of what it means to be more than just a cook. And I want to get into that because I think it's important to realize that we all can be more than just cooks. And Justin Connor did a really great episode on it, uh, you know, cook, being a cook versus a chef. And we talk about it in the podcast we did together in terms of how calling yourself just the cook can almost be a cop out of responsibility. But um, I really think it's important to kind of recognize where we're going as an industry and what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means to be a chef and what it means to kind of build yourself and get your hand in more than just one thing. So I want to start out with someone who got me into podcasting, who got me into the social media game, and that's Gary Vaynerchuk. And if you don't know who he is, uh, look him up, but I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, Gary V is someone, I'll just tell you the story. So I was in Chicago um, this past Thanksgiving or past November, December, this past winter, and I really, it was a turning point in my life where I wasn't really sure what I truly wanted to do. And I had just gotten done with two stages that week. I was on my way back home from to Buffalo from Chicago, and I was sitting in a cafe the morning of the flight, and I was bummed out. I felt like I had no direction. I felt like I had nowhere to go. I felt like, damn, like I just came to Chicago. I mean, I saw some great people, my friends Cam and Adam and Olivia and Val. I, you know, I love Chicago, as you may know from recent podcasts, but at this particular time, I was upset. It was the winter was dreary. I was in a coffee shop. It was like a cliche movie uh, scene. But I was just sitting there drinking coffee, eating my egg avocado toast, which cost $12, which is insane. And I was watching YouTube, and this guy comes across my screen, and it was like a keynote presentation, and it was like Gary Vaynerchuk. I forget the episode title, but basically it was just about like why it's important to build your brand or why it's important to believe yourself, why it's important to not quit. And I was like, all right, like this is going to be some inspirational BS that I'm going to listen to. Maybe I'll get something out of it. But like, I didn't think it would be anything important. So I started watching the video. And this guy, Gary, spoke with so much energy, and he spoke with so much charisma, and he spoke with so much passion about just breaking down what it is that stops you from doing what you do and what it means to just stop living life under everyone else's opinion or even everyone, what you think everyone else's opinion is going to be if you did what you truly love. And I was like, all right, whatever, dude. Like, I, I, I honestly thought he was kind of an asset in the beginning just because it was like, come on, man, no one's, this, no one's this pumped. No one's this, is this excited. Uh, but I kept listening because it was interesting to me. And I was like, damn, maybe I do need to hear this right now. You know, like I said, I was at a lower point. You know, I wasn't depressed, but I was just like bummed. I was like, oh. like, you know, you know that feeling you get? That's how I, how I felt, like just bummed out. And I remember thinking, he, you know, he said, if you could stop right now and stop life and you could just do anything you wanted to do, what would it be? And I remember thinking, you know, getting into management in the food industry and recording a podcast. Those are the two things I really wanted then. But I had staged in Michelin restaurants at the time and in December when I was in Chicago. 
And so basically I was like, oh man, if I manage restaurants, I kind of look like a sellout because so far in my career, you know, every time someone had left the Michelin track of dining to go into something else, it was like, oh, now they have great hours. Now they make more money. It's a cozy lifestyle. It was almost as if they sold out. And I feel like there's a negative stigma with cooks who aren't into that type of cooking, who are into the Michelin dining. And they're like, oh, yeah, you sold out. You didn't follow your dream because you went and made more money or you got better hours or you chose a better quality of life. And so Gary kind of after, I don't know, two years of truly thinking I was going to be a Michelin chef broke into me. He broke he broke through. He got through to me. He made me realize what I truly wanted. And I remember I was like, oh, my God. I, I remember on my way to the airport, uh, I was on the train um, from, you know, the middle downtown Chicago to O'Hare Airport. And I was like, I got to listen more to this guy. So I looked it up. I'm like, you know, maybe where else I could listen to him. I found, turn, comes to find out he has a podcast. Comes to find out he's on the Joe Rogan podcast, is a big, which is a huge podcast I listen to. I love that show. I love all the guests that come on. I mean, I haven't heard all the guests, but I love the guests that I've listened to because he Joe gets so many different viewpoints. Um, you know, maybe not the, the crazy guests with the conspiracy theories. I'm not into that. I'm more into, like, the business people or the people in the outdoor stuff. Um, but Gary, obviously, like, Gary is someone who was on there. And so that was, like, holy shit. Like, I, I didn't know this episode existed. So I started listening to it. Listening, listening to him talk to Joe and listening to his story, how he grew up in – you know, Soviet Russia and came here and helped build his dad's liquor store. And I know if you know, I know if you watch Gary Vee, you know everything that I'm saying. And you're like, yeah, we know, we get it. Come on, Ray, get to the next point. But like I said, if you haven't checked out Gary Vee, especially if you're a cook, go follow and listen to him. But basically what I'm trying to get at is after that, I was like, damn, I'm just going to do what I want. And I think the Michelin track started out as a goal for me. And I, I wanted to break this down because I get confused sometimes, and I know a lot of people who knew me in culinary school um, were like, damn, like, what happened to that? Uh, I just met up with a friend, Allie, and I was telling her, you know, like, I'm getting into, you know, I'm getting away from Michelin, and she was like, what happened? Like, you were so passionate about it. Like, what, what changed? And I guess after that conversation with her, I really just wanted to get into it. So basically, for me, I thought about what what made me happiest and in college it was student government it was the stuff outside I mean class was great but what I really enjoyed were the roles I had at school in terms of being a leader on campus making decisions starting a community garden meeting with higher-ups like just everything I was able to do at school I was like that's what I want to do like that's when I was most happiest when I was most productive and helping other people in terms of reducing paper waste at the school or building a community garden. That's what I wanted to do. And so when I was listening to Gary and he was like, if you could stop and like do something for the rest of your life, that's what hit me the first. Like the, like the first thing that went into my head was leading others or managing people in a way that's effective and that can help them grow and that can inspire them. I really enjoy having an impact on people in a positive way. So I was like, all right, I think this is going to be a good, a good point for me. It's going to be a good way to go. So I was like, I want to get into restaurant management. I want to start a podcast. And so I started Like Cook Thoughts back in December. It was like December 9th. I started it. Um, only, you know, for a little over four months ago. It's crazy how time flies, but how much you can do within 
that time period. So I started learning quick thoughts. And immediately, immediately, I was like, I hadn't felt that excitement so long. I hadn't felt that excitement since I went to start culinary school or since I started at Oliver's in Buffalo, New York. The feeling of starting on something new, a passion of mine. And I had always wanted a podcast. Uh, I always listened to Joe Rogan or the Joe Budden podcast, which is, I love the Joe Budden podcast. Not related to cooking at all, but those guys are great. And I was just like, wow, this is something I really want to get into. So in my mind, I always thought starting a podcast, I'd have to be like, you know, 30 and have experiences and be a reputable name in the food industry. But then I thought, how cool would it be to start one now? To start one while I'm 21, to kind of build my own little brand and following so that when I do become very successful, people are like, oh, wow, this is where he started. This is how he believed in himself. This is kind of where he comes from. So I wanted to start this whole documentation, or at least documentation of thought of myself. And then I was like, wait, why can't I start documenting others too? So I wanted to have these podcasts where I would interview, you know, maybe people who had a higher profile in in the industry, um, like Jeremiah Tower or Joe Sasto or the guests I have coming up, which I haven't released yet. Um, But then I was like, why don't I interview the cooks who who are grinding? Who aren't there yet, but are, are pushing like Adam and Olivia, you know, they were episode five. We talk about how they're opening the restaurant Scarpe, which is opening very soon. Good luck to them both. I wish you all the best. I'm excited. And, or Lauren Joffrey on who was like the last episode, you know, someone who's doing an all vegan food blog and is also about to be pastry chef, chef and sous chef of a new restaurant. So I wanted to document all those things in one podcast. And so I started the podcast in hopes of, doing everything that I could to document the positivity of the food industry and the people of the food industry. And it all started because of Gary. So I wanted to get into the topic of more than a cook because to me, it's so important. And it's something that I just love thinking about. And I feel like I haven't articulated as much as I would like to. So first off, I want to get to to get to the point of knowing your why in the industry. And I want you all to take this moment very seriously, whether you're on the subway to work, whether you're listening while cooking in the kitchen, whether you're just, you know, whatever you're doing, just take 10 seconds. And this is what Gary did for me. And if you don't listen to Gary, I want to do it for you. Take 10 seconds, close your eyes. I know it's cliche, but close your eyes. And if everything stopped right now and you could do the one thing you love, what would it be? Maybe it's not even cooking, but what would it be? Like, think about it. Really think hard. And I want you to think about, like, what in 10 years – if your dreams came true and everything happened, what would it look like? And then I'm going to ask you, why are you not following that? Why are you not following your path? Why are you not following your goal? So for me, it's very important to know your why in the industry. And the reason I'm going to use the Michelin experience is because the Michelin experience for me was a theme that everyone else put in my head. So when you get to culinary school from Buffalo, New York, and you don't even know who Thomas Keller is, this whole world opens up. You know, like, holy crap, to be the best chef, I have to have Michelin stars. And all like automatically, your worth in the industry is, you know, valued on how many stars you got based on someone else's opinion. And this is my issue with that thought. And this is my issue with myself a couple of years ago, is everything I was pushing for and everything I was grinding for was to kind of get an okay from others, to kind of get valued on the opinion of others. So 
I mean, why do I podcast? I podcast so everyone will listen to it. So I guess I'm kind of doing this, maybe doing a little bit of the same thing, but I'm also doing it because it's fulfilling to me. But for me, the Michelin track for the longest time is I need to be able to cook enough food so somebody else will tell me that I've made it. And that, for me, is not how you should be in the industry. Yes, we serve people, and yes, we should be getting good feedback, but there should also be a sense of like worth, of like what you're doing every day, you're doing because you know that you're going in and feeding people and giving them the best experience. And so for me, my point of view on Michelin was, I'm going to cook so that someone else can tell me I did a good job. And it was a very selfish viewpoint, because I'm telling you, I... When when I was looking at Michelin, it wasn't about serving people. It was about getting that recognition. And there was someone at school, his name was Evan, who kind of sat me down. And he was like, listen, Ray, you have, you have like two ways of going about it. You can do the fine dining aspect. And he's not, he's not really like in the food. Like he's, he knows about food, but he's not in the industry like a cook. He does other things. But he was like, listen, he's like, your path, your Michelin path is your selfish goal or maybe the goal of others and what you're truly good at is managing others and leading others inspiring others and just talking to people and connecting people and you know thinking about the big picture and you know I didn't I didn't listen to him at first I wasn't agreeing with him I was like no I'm going to be a Michelin cook you're wrong I'm going to do this and you don't understand right now what I'm trying to do, but I'm getting the Michelin stars. And this was about a year before I graduated. Um, and then over time, I was like, so basically after, so like I said, throughout culinary school, that's what I was going through. And then I went out to California for my last semester. And I met these great chefs who didn't have stars. I met these great people, these farmers, these producers, these people in the industry in general who loved the life, loved their job, and they didn't have Michelin stars. And it kind of woke me up for a little bit and was like, damn, like, okay. So these people are, are really loving their passion, but they're not getting awards, per se. They're not getting Michelin Guide. They're not getting on the world's 50 best list, but they're providing great products. Great, They're raising animals greatly, and they're just doing amazing things that they love their life. And so I was like, okay, that's an interesting, but... I'm still getting Michelin. And then I get back for graduation and Evan and I have that talk again. And I'm like, huh, okay. It's weird because now I'm starting to get what he's saying, but I'm still going to do Michelin. Like I'm not giving up on my dreams. And I think that's the hardest thing. I think it's the hardest thing, swallowing the pill that maybe what you thought you wanted isn't what you want anymore. But you put so much energy and thought into what you wanted before that it's hard to kind of get away from that. And I feel like that's why a lot of people do things that they don't really like later in life. Because in the beginning, they thought they wanted it so bad. But then they kind of came to the realization, even if they didn't want to admit it, that it's not what they want now. So I was like, all right, hmm, this is interesting to me. Whatever. So I graduate. I'm in the summer. And I'm working in the fall at Oliver's. And I'm lo- I love Oliver's. And I always love my experience there. But I remember thinking of like mid-October, November, Am I always just going to be a cook? And even if I was to be a sous chef, like, is that it? Like, that's the impact I'm going to have on the industry is just being a cook, putting out fine dining food. Like, when you go into Michelin, you're just a cook. Am I, like, I I admire people who go into that. Um, But for me, it was just like, I can't just do that. Like, I need more. And 
So I ended up going back to school um, for graduation, and this is post-listening to Gary Vee's talk. And I'm like, I'm literally, it's like I'm going to either do the Michelin route or I'm going to be doing what I believe in and what I truly want. So then I talked, and again, I talked to another mentor of mine, Dwayne, at school, and basically they both said the same thing. And that's what really got me because these are two people I looked up to a lot in school. They were like, you need to do you. The business side is you. And if you don't do you, you're going to regret it. And you're going to follow a path with like the Michelin path that isn't really you. It's not really what you want. Like when you talk to us about passion and whatnot, it's, it's what we can tell you want. And I was like, wow, these two, two people are telling me to really, really just follow my goals and dreams. And so I did. And I put Michelin aside and I can tell you now that I'm so much happier than I think I would have been if I had stuck with Michelin. I can only like I can only imagine myself right now if I decided to go on the Michelin route, maybe loving the work, loving the food, but then going home and feeling unfulfilled and feeling like I didn't do something impactful with my day and not having a lot of responsibility. So what I want to get at is, and I'm thank you for listening to that story, is I need you all to get out of your own head. I need you all to, and this is something I had to learn and something I had to recognize. And maybe down the line, I build a restaurant that has a Michelin star or I'm a part of something that is like that. But for me, that doesn't matter anymore. And I know how it looks to some of you who are chasing Michelin. You're just like, oh, he doesn't do it anymore, so it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, of course, cliche. But no, like, I'm serious. Like, for me, it doesn't matter. It matters to me that I'm serving people in a way that is consistent, that they feel is consoling to them, that they have food that brings them joy and happiness in a setting that's very realistic and just easy to go to. And that's what I'm about. And I'm also about creating an audio experience and a media platform where the cooks and the people in the industry can kind of get together and talk and chat and relate and not feel like I felt, feel alone and upset and kind of down and depressed. I wanted to make that space. And so these are the two things I'm focusing on. And I admire you cooks who are pushing for the Michelin stars, and I hope you get it. But I just hope that you're not in it for the wrong reason. I hope that you're not in it for someone else's opinion. And that's what I wanted to get into. The idea as a, as a chef of an entrepreneur is someone who's building their own brand. And I feel like a lot of cooks are want to be entrepreneurs, but they're still in the industry because of someone else's opinion. When you're with the Michelin Guide, it's someone else's opinion at the end of the day. And I think it's honorable to want them. But if it's the only thing you're focused on, I think it's going to lead you to a lot of pain, a lot of just disappointment. And I don't want anyone in this industry to feel that way. I don't want you to, like 10 years from now, still be in that game and being like, damn, like, I didn't get it. Like, why didn't I get, didn't get it? And at the end of the day, you not getting it leads to you not being fulfilled. Even though you've worked your ass off, even though you've served amazing food to people, even though you've had such a profound impact on so many people's lives through the meals you put out, I don't. And at the end of the day, you're gonna feel, damn, I didn't get the Michelin star. And I just need you to get the bigger picture. When you're in the food industry, you're making people's lives better through cooking them food. And I just need you to understand that. 
that's why we're here. That's why we, at least I'm in the industry, is to make people's lives better through food. You need to understand that. So what I please don't let it, you not getting recognized or awarded take away from the fact that you have made such a big impact on so many people's lives since you've started cooking that you don't even realize. You don't even know. I don't even know that impact as much as I should. But please know you're doing it every day. And that's what I want to get into. And that's why I think chefs, entrepreneurs is such a big thing because we as chefs are so focused on giving experiences to others that we can create so much beautiful things. So I think of Loana out of You Gotta Cook, the Instagram. She's a cook, but she's also doing Instagram videos for young adults, teaching them how to cook. Her impact is cooking, but it's also teaching the next generation how to cook good food at home. And I think that's an important thing to do. I think of Justin Connor, a chef who's done all the Michelin you know, restaurants he could, has had the greatest experiences, who has these top-notch skills, but yet he puts out content for cooks to on, you know, what knife bag to buy or, you know, philosophical videos on being a cook or a chef or going to places like Momofuku Co. and just sharing his experiences and meals with you. And so it's people like them that inspire me the most. And it's the entrepreneurs of the next generation that I look forward to seeing. People like Justin Kana and Luana and just people in general who are just grinding and knowing that it's not just about cooking anymore. It's about leaving an impact through maybe social media or through videos or through conferences or press calls or anything. I think it's important that chefs nowadays have an entrepreneurial spirit. So I think listening to Gary Vee is important. And I think watching what your peers do in terms of their side hustles and their projects, I think getting inspired by that and finding your why in the industry is important. And I think finding just exactly why you're here is the most important thing. And I think choosing the Michelin lifestyle can be an easy way, an easy goal because it's what everyone seems to want. But I think truly sitting down and thinking about it and finding why you want to be in this industry is what's going to give you leverage on everyone else. And when you find out why you want to be in, in the industry, maybe it is to get a Michelin restaurant, but maybe, maybe it's because you want to have a restaurant that shares African cuisine in a Michelin star setting. Like that is something that I think would be invaluable to our industry. So maybe you have a story to tell and you want to have it on a Michelin level. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's important. But if you're just here because you want a Michelin star for no other reason than just to be recognized, it's not going to, like, it's, it's going to lead you to disappointment. So what I'm trying to get at is please just know your why. And in that, I think you can be a great entrepreneurial chef. And that's what I'm excited about in the next 10 to 20 years is seeing how my peers get their hands into more than just cooking. Uh, you know, obviously me with podcasting, I have a couple other people who I've known from school are getting into podcasting and food blogging and the social media. And as social media evolves and podcasting evolves and everything evolves, I'm just excited to see what content cooks put out because cooks are some of the most creative people I know. And to kind of see cooks go out and do more than just cook is so exciting to me. And I know I repeated myself on that, but I just need you guys to know that it's going to be an exciting time. And I just really want all the Long Cook Nation to know their why before they go further in the industry. Because at the end of the day, why I've said all this is because I don't want you to feel how I felt. I felt lonely. I felt like I didn't have meaning. I felt that what I was doing was not positive for anyone. And I just felt like I was wasting my my passion because I needed to get recognition from someone else because all my peers 
and teachers told me so. And I just don't want anyone to feel that way. So that's why I'm sharing this Gary Vee experience and how he inspired me. That's why I'm sharing the talks with my mentors. And I don't want this to come off like I'm bashing anyone who's going for Michelin. Like I said, if you have the dream of telling your own story on a Michelin star level, I think that's one of the coolest things you can do. And I appreciate it so much. I love eating at Michelin restaurants. But I'm just telling you my own personal account on why it wasn't the right fit for me. And I know... There's people out there like me because we've talked about it and you know who you are if you've chatted with me in the DMs on finding a why in the industry and starting to get into different things. I know there's people out there who feel like I feel or at least felt like I felt. And I know you all can have such a great impact on this industry and do what you love with your passion if you just take the time to actually go do it. And I don't want to sound like a Gary Vee ripoff, but I truly feel like it's a message cooks need to hear. And it's something I'm very excited to talk about in upcoming episodes, and this isn't the last time I'm going to talk about it, but I just wanted to spend a good half hour on why I think it's so important to get your brand out there, get your passion out there, and really just get involved in the industry. And to really just understand that at the end of the day, if you're not doing it for yourself for yourself in terms of passion, you're not doing it to help others every day, then I'm not sure why, wait, what you're going to get out of it at the end. I always think about that at the end of my career, what's it going to look like? What what are they going to say about me when I'm gone? That's what I think about. So my legacy, what have I done? And that's where other people's opinions come into play. Not what award they got, not what magazine you know threw me on their front page or their cover, but how many people did I feed in a positive way that can say, oh yeah, Ray, he gave me one of the best experiences of my life. Or he gave me a consistent experience every time. Or when I listen to his podcast, he gave me a reason to go out and do what I loved. Or when I listened to his podcast, I just felt more reassurance because I felt the same way and now I'm doing what I love. And I don't want other people to judge me. But because he didn't think about other people judging him, then I, that I'm able to do what I want to do. And I will be serious with you all. I really was scared doing this podcast and getting away from Michelin because I thought people would say I was a sellout. I had this talk with Ross, my old chef. And other people in my family, I honestly thought people were going to say I was a sellout. And when I started doing what I love, I, I tell you now, not one person still has told me I've sold out. There's been people who are like, you know, oh, wow, I'm surprised you're not doing Michelin. Because when I set my mind to things, I'm very passionate about them. But not one person said, oh, wow, Ray, you're a sellout. Because I know what I'm doing is the best for me. And I know what I'm doing is the best for the people around me and the people I'm serving. So just realize that it's you. It's you who has to pass the judgment. It's you who has to think, okay, this is this is what I really want to do. So please, please find your why in the industry. Know why you're here. And please just get out of your own head and don't live on the values of others. Live on what you believe in. Live on what you want to do and chase that. And if it is Michelin, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you get your three stars. But if you want to be a podcaster or a food blogger, I hope to see you with a million followers or a million listeners. Just do whatever it is. I'm here. Please share your why in the industry. I've been asking a lot of you this, and this is why I've gotten to know the cook. But please send me your why in the industry. I want to do a podcast all about the topics of why people are in the industry. So please send me your why of being in the industry, and let's just start the conversation of getting away from cooks getting in the industry because they want to be recognized by other people and they want to base their careers on the values of others. And let's get into the, 
into the topic of cooks being here to feed people and to make people's experiences the best they can be while also being fulfilling to them. I really support you all in everything you do. I'm so proud of what you've all done so far. I look at your Instagrams when you message me and whatnot. I just can't wait to see what the Long Cook Nation does in the future. I really hope you enjoyed me getting personal in this part of the podcast, but I don't think I've said it quite fully like I needed to. So I just wanted to break down why I started podcasting and why I've thought into this and why I think being an entrepreneur in the food industry is so important. So thank you all for helping my dreams come true. Just, just a sentimental moment between me and you listening right now. Just thank you because your positivity has changed my life for the better. All right, y'all. So I really hope you enjoyed listening to my thoughts on entrepreneurial chefs. So now I want to get into uh, my favorite. Or I love cookbook collecting. All right, I'll start there. I'm sorry if I get going and then I get stumbled. My my thought process is crazy. I I think so fast sometimes that it just it's hard to get out. Uh, that's why I think I have to work on podcasting. But regardless of that, I wanted to share why I collect cookbooks. So I've always loved books. Uh, get you a story into why I started reading. So when I was young, my parents, my mom and dad, they got me a video game system, my first video game system, and it was a GameCube. Um, shout out to everyone who knows what a GameCube is. And basically, they got me it, and they had this rule that before I played my video game, I had to read a chapter in a book. So, of course, because I love video games, I would read a chapter in a book. And I remember doing this for years. Obviously, I didn't have to. I don't have to now. Uh, that would be weird. But doing that kind of instilled in me a love of reading. And I got to the point where I love reading more than I love video games. And yes, I do. I, I love video games. But I read more now than I play video games. I actually haven't touched my PS4 in so long. I miss it. But I have so much, other, so many other things going on. But um, every day I read. Uh, read books. I love books on cooking, on food. Uh, when I was younger, I read like Harry Potter, obviously. Uh, I read the Game of Thrones series. Um, just like the Aragon series is probably my favorite when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, I just love reading in general. So when I got into the food industry, I was like, all right, I'm going to start getting books on food. Um, my dad got me Kitchen Confidential. That was the first true food book I read, like just like a book on about the food industry. And I loved it. I read it the month before I went into culinary school. Uh, I've read it, you know, one more time since on, um, you know, Anthony Bourdain's writing is something that I hope to achieve. Uh, I've always wanted to write a book since I was younger. I actually wrote a book in the fifth grade, like a fantasy book that was similar to like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. I, if I publish it, it would probably be sued for copyright. Um, but yeah, I've always loved writing and, you know, even right now I'm writing a book uh, that isn't to say it's coming out soon. It's kind of like a journal of my career over the last couple of years and where I'm going to go. Not sure if it'll ever get published, but I've always wanted to put out a book because I love reading so much and I love writing and I love putting out content. I love, you know, I just love the idea of putting out your thoughts on a page. So thanks to my dad for getting me into collecting food books. And he got me uh, becoming a chef by Michael Roman. Obviously, about getting into the culinary to America, you know, what he learned there, which was really cool because I got to read that as well before I started culinary school. Um, so, yeah, some books I really, I just, so why I love 
collecting cookbooks is because they tell stories and not just books on food, but cookbooks in general. They tell the stories of the thought processes behind these chefs. They give you like a creative idea and they just spark. They inspire me. Even if I don't even cook the food that they do, it inspires me to read because like I said, with Lauren Joffrey on, it's so courageous for me to see, to me, it's so courageous to put out your thoughts on paper or put them in a book and then just give them to everyone. So I really think it's cool that people make books based on food. And so I've started collecting them. Um, I have everything from like an old edition of Julia Child's book that my grandfather had um, that I found in his cookbook library that I stole from the house. Sorry, mom and dad. To um, a book, you know, Escoffier's book, which I bought at school. It was $70 with a foreword from our school's president. I remember buying that with money I made on the weekend just because I wanted to read it and have it. And I wanted to at one point do a podcast episode about the recipes in there and kind of the history behind it all. I think it's really cool food history. Um, and then a book that I think my chef Cody Castiglio gave to me. Yeah, he gave it to me. It's called the flavor Bible. Um, so really cool book. And I didn't want to start with this book. So I'm holding it right now. If you hear it like crinkling in the background, but the Flavor Bible, it says on the front page, the essential guide to culinary creativity based on the wisdom of America's most imaginative chefs. And I remember I got this book and was instantly blown away because it's just so useful. It, like, out of all the books I have on food, this is the one I use the most. Um, so if you don't know what the Flavor Bible is and you're new to cooking or you're in cooking and you're having trouble starting to think of different uh, ingredients or think of different dishes. Because for me, there's always a roadblock of finding dishes. I use this book. So, for example, if you wanted to use chervil in a dish, you go and look up chervil in the book. And they'll get the season. So the season for chervil is spring through autumn. The weight is delicate and it's soft leave. The volume of the of like the taste and whatnot is very quiet. And a tip is always using chervil fresh and not cooked because it's such a delicate herb to use. And then it goes through and it gives you all these different ways to use chervil, all these different ingredients you can use it with. So like asparagus, carrots, ricotta cheese, fish, French cuisine, game birds, halibut, leeks, lemon, thyme, lettuce, lobster, marjoram. It's just a list of ingredients. And at the end of the ingredient, it will usually give um, a couple of chefs who give advice on how to use that. And this book is just, um, it's just so useful. And it's by Karen Page and Andrew Dornenberg. And another huge book they've made is uh, Culinary Artistry, which is a great book if you're getting into the industry and you want to get inspired. Culinary Artistry was recommended to me by Cody as well. And it's, just, I, it's a book I read twice. I just love the stories in that book. So those two books by Karen Page and Andrew Dornenberg, I mean, they have James Beard Awards on them because they're so good. So if you haven't checked them out, please do, because those are just high-quality books. Uh, another cookbook I love that came out uh, two years ago is Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And that book is, it's just a beautiful introduction into understanding flavors. A uh, big thing that I learned in culinary school is the use of acid, like lemon juice or, you know, apple cider vinegar. I remember on my, uh, my uh, skills test in school, I made lentil soup for uh, Chef McHugh. And I don't know why. I remember hearing it either in a book or maybe with Chef Cerrone from Fundy's. But I added apple cider vinegar to the lentil soup. And Chef McHugh actually ate the whole bowl. And he, like, called me over. And he's kind of intimidating if you don't know who he is in the beginning. But he's like, Do you, he's like, what did you throw in here? I was like, apple cider vinegar. He was like, that was very smart of you. 
He's like, I don't know if you can tell, but I enjoyed it. And his bowl was literally clean. And it was really good lentil soup. And I was like, wow, like that, like it's, it sparked something in my head that wow, acid could be such a huge part in the terms of like flavoring and whatnot. So sulfate acid heat is a great resource. I mean, I didn't read that book before that, but I read it after it came out and it's just been such a great resource for any cook because there's things in here that I never like thought of, um, even after being in the industry for five years. And so if you haven't checked out Soft Fat Acid Heat, I highly recommend it. It's just a great book for anyone who's interested in cooking. You're going to learn something new. And she has a lot of great different techniques in there. My favorite, one of my favorite books on just the, like how chefs get inspired or their thought processes is Something to Food About by Questlove. This book, I know so many cooks have not read it, but it's so amazing. Like there's so many different great interviews in here. It has a foreword by Anthony Bourdain, and basically, it's Questlove going through and interviewing these amazing chefs and how they get inspired. So Daniel Hume, Nathan Mirvold, Ludo Lefebvre, Dave Baran, uh, Dominique Crenn, Daniel Patterson, all these great chefs. He interviews them and you know talks about how they get inspired, and then he also puts up these like abstract photos that the chefs have picked, and I just think it's really cool. It's just a, such a cool book on inspiration for cooking. And it's just literally these interviews that Questlove has put together. And he put out this book, and I remember reading it uh, on a flight back home. I literally read it in one shot because it's not terrible. It's 200 pages, but, like, the fonts – the way it's set up is not hard to read. Um, so it's not, like, a very long book in terms. But I remember I pretty much read most of it on a three-hour flight back home. But um, it's just so – such an amazing book, and it's – so interesting to me to see all these thought processes put together. And Questlove is just a lover of food, and I didn't know that. I always thought he, you know, he was in the roots, and he's also on Jimmy Fallon. But when I saw this book, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like this guy lo- knows what he's talking about. So a huge, huge recommendation on my list. You know, I've said it maybe in a couple of podcasts um, by now, but something to food about is an underrated book for cooks to read. Um, Next up, I think uh, the Contra book, a very serious cookbook, is really interesting because those two chefs give their kind of opinion on food, and they also go into why they make such playful uh, dishes and why they thought this would go well with this because that's what Contra's all about, experiencing new flavors and techniques in a different way. Not in the sense of like El Bouilly, but more like it's more of a daring like, oh, I never thought I would have uh, – plated it this way. I never thought I would have put these two flavors together. So I really think that thought process is really something cool about, uh, cool to kind of read. Uh, my favorite Anthony Bourdain book is Medium Raw. Uh, I know a lot of you, I thought I would say Kitchen Confidential, but Medium Raw is a book I I never laughed out loud more than when reading his book. I literally would be laughing so much because his writing, I feel is so perfect in the book and he's, I think it's the most Anthony Bourdain you'll get in terms of a book. He's just so good. And I feel like everyone refers to Kitchen Confidential as his best one. But I personally think Medium Raw is his best work. And I know not as many of you have read it as much as you've read Kitchen Confidential. So if you haven't read it and you really are itching to get some great Anthony Bourdain writing, I think his book, Medium Raw, is, in my opinion, the best one he ever put out. Some other cookbooks I'm really interested in. Are, uh, on vegetables by Jeremy Fox. There's a couple of pages in the beginning that give his list of like things he needs on his station. I think when I read those, I was like, oh my God, I agree so much. So I think those, that, those two pages alone are worth purchasing the book. Uh, Sean Brock with Heritage 
is another great book that I'd love to read uh, just to get inspired to kind of get that feeling of, wow, you should really be proud of where you're coming from. And I had that conversation before of why you should be proud of where you're coming from. Um, so Heritage is a huge one that I would definitely highly recommend. And Marco Pierre White's book was is a cool one to read if you want to kind of get a sense of what the industry was like back in his time. Uh, very interesting stories. Don't agree with really maybe how he ran his kitchen in terms of like anger and violence and intimidation, but it really is cool. I think it's important at least to see where the industry came from and to see where it's going now. Uh, and the book I'm reading right now is a book that I know a lot of you are reading right now. And it's Kwame Onowachi's notes from a young black chef. Uh, right now I'm on page 50 and it's been great so far. I mean, his writing style really surprised me because the way he's able to convey his feelings into my head, the way he like he writes, I, I get it. Like I was like, wow. Like I remember reading like the first ten pages and thinking, this is like really good. Like this is not just like some cook trying to write. Like he really is good at writing, and I really enjoyed what I've read so far. And I want to do a whole review on it once I'm done reading it. But um, you know, I think that's it. So those are kind of the books that I would recommend. And there's so many more that I have. And if you want a whole list, I think I'm going to put out a whole list of the books I have in my collection. But I wanted to get into why I think it's important is because you get to get behind why chefs get inspired. But they're also an invaluable resource in terms of just inspiring for yourself. Like When you're able to read different viewpoints, you're able to get a much broader picture of what there is out there. So what I'm trying, like, what I'm trying to say is I never knew like – that certain things could go together. But when I read these cookbooks, I get that sense. When I read a cookbook that isn't of like a French or Italian or Asian cuisine, I kind of get a different viewpoint on what food could be. Because I feel like if you don't read cookbooks, you have a limited sense of what food can be. But when you read cookbooks, you're like, wow, this can go with this and that can go with that. And I think it's really important that you have these resources. And another thing that I think is important in terms of, uh, I guess, cookbooks or cooking content as food blogs you know i share the garnish palette my friend my friend francesca she has some great food blogging going out where she's talking about her experiences in the kitchen i have you know i've shared lauren joffrey on hellbrazer.com with vegan recipes i think food blogs are very invaluable because they're inspirational uh pieces of content where chefs put out these recipes or their stories of the food industry and you don't need to purchase you don't need to purchase anything really you just read it and I think that's why cookbooks are so cool. That's what I look for in cookbooks are the the moments where the chef's talking about why they got inspired. And I think food blogs do a great job of capturing that when they're done right. So I really, my last topic on cookbooks in general is I wanted to ask you all, what is your cookbook going to have in it? So I always wanted to release a cookbook and a book, as you know. And so I thought I had this question and I want to ask you, and I'd love if you shared it with me. What is your cookbook going to look like? What does it have to say? What are the recipes or the types of cuisine that's going to be in it? Um, if you release it now, what like what would would it be more serious? Would it be playful? Like, what is your cookbook going to be if you had to publish one right now? And what stories would you tell? What um, what recipes would you throw in? What remarks would you have? What kind of thought or inspiration processes would you be putting on the page? And I think when you start to think about what you you would write in terms of what cookbook you would put out, you kind of see where you get inspiration from. And I think it's a very important tool. Uh, so for me, I get inspiration from making pasta and ramen um, and fermentation. And I really, uh, you know, Noma's book to fermentation is amazing. And sorry, I didn't mention that, but 
I think when you start to think of what you would put inspires you on paper, it helps you understand really what you like. And that's the theme of this episode, understanding what you truly like. So just take a couple of minutes and think, if I could write my cookbook right now, what would it say? What would there be in it? And I think you're going to find a really cool answer there. So those are my book recommendations. I'm going to put out a whole list of the books I have and books that I've read that I think are invaluable. And just please give me your thoughts, share your cookbook recommendations. I'll put them on my Instagram story. Whatever you do, just keep reading because it's always an invaluable resource to have in terms of having cookbooks and books on food. And I know you all are busy, but just find, you know, dedicate 10 pages a day and you'll get through a cookbook in a week or two weeks or however long or 20 pages a day. Just dedicate some time to it because it's very important for you all to be reading and be just like knowledgeable about the food industry and what can go with what. And that's how you build your palate and that's how you build ideas in your head so that when you're asked to make a dish, you have more to pull from. So thank you for you know, sharing if you have already your cookbook recommendations. That's something definitely I've gotten from a lot of people. And I hope you enjoyed this segment of the podcast on that. Okay, also the last topic I wanted to get into is going to be about dishwashers. Dishwashing and so what I learned from dishwashing. So my first restaurant job was uh, with Wendy's, uh, the fast food chain. And I started out at 15 years old. I was a dishwasher. And I remember... Because my first job, I wanted to do really well. Uh, so I remember wanting to be the best dishwasher. So I remember being fast and stacking the trays up nicely and putting everything away perfectly and making sure my water was changed and cleaned and making sure my station looked good. And it really was important to me because I feel like if you've never dishwashed in a restaurant before, you I feel like if you haven't, you should. Because I feel like there's a certain amount of respect that goes with being a dishwasher and doing it well. And I feel like once you've done dishwashing, you understand why it's important to respect your dishwasher. And I feel like sometimes, even if you have done dishwashing, you kind of get away from that. So when you hop into the dish pit and you get your hands dirty and you start doing dishes, I think it's important to recognize that that's what this person is doing their whole shift. And it's important to respect them because they're the ones that are ensuring that you have plates to put food on. They're the ones that are ensuring you have pots to cook in. They're the ones that are, that are ensuring that you have a rubber spatula to scrape out your bowl with it after you're done using it. And I think it's so important that you show respect to dishwashers because they are what help. They're the reason the establishment runs. Without them, the restaurant goes nowhere. The guests don't get the food. You can't cook. So having that high respect for dishwashers is something that's so important. And having a great dishwasher is so invaluable. Someone who is able to do the prep items and able to wash dishes in an effective manner and takes pride in their work and puts away things perfectly. And, you know, it's just the person you lean on in terms of getting the kitchen in shape. And I mean, the dishwashers I worked with, I've met some amazing people. I, uh, there was, you know, this guy named James from, um, uh, from, Ol- from where I worked at Oliver's. He was so passionate. We would talk about hip hop music and everything else. Uh, there was Osmond, uh, another James. There's just so many great people I've met through dishwashing. Uh, I met people who have come here from other countries, and this is like the job that they got into because it was all they could find. And it ended up them from dishwashing becoming a cook, and then a sous chef, and then a head chef. Dishwashing holds such an importance in our industry. It's such an important role. It's such an important opening job for cooks. And so when you're dishwashing, just 
or when you have dishwashed, just remember what it was like for you and know that dishwashing is a job that can lead people to having a life in our country, having a life in our industry. It's such an invaluable job. So I just wanted to spend a few minutes to thank all the dishwashers out there who are maybe listening or who aren't listening and you can relay the message to say thank you to the dishwashers because they are the reason why we're able to do what we do. And it's so important to recognize that. It's so important to value them. It's so important to treat them right. I feel like we can just throw dishes into the pit and be like, yeah, whatever, and just try to be that tough chef that everyone thinks they want to be sometimes. But no, like it's important to show them respect, put things away nicely. And you know, there are times where I've just put things in the dish because I'm busy and in a rush and maybe made their life harder. So it's always important to just recognize that they they are essential to your team. And if you don't treat them right, they're not going to do the things they you need them to do. They're not going to go above and beyond. So you really need to show respect. You really need to show uh, compassion to them. And you need to show that the position is a position of pride. And I think that's something that chefs don't do a good enough job of telling the dishwasher. I feel like we need to keep reinforcing to our dishwashers that it's such a great position. It's a position of pride. It's a position of excellence. It's a position where if you don't do it right, the whole restaurant kind of falls. So you really need to instill that dishwashing is a sense it has a sense of pride to it. It has a sense of meaning. It has a sense that if this job isn't done right, then the rest of the service won't be going well. So I really just wanted to spend like five minutes real quick to tell you that you need to like, just thank your dishwasher the next time you see them and make sure they know that their job has so much pride involved. And it's such an important position that so many cooks have passed through to get into the industry and to have a working life inside of our industry and i just really wanted to say a thank you to all the dishwashers out there and say thank you to all the cooks who spent time in the dish pit i respect y'all so much and i just remember sometimes sometimes i just remember like just being a dishwasher and thinking like i loved the pride and making sure everything was clean and organized and sometimes i wish i could just go back but i know i have more to do in the industry now in terms of leading and whatnot but just thank you to those solid dishwashers and thank you to the people day in and day out who go in to ensure that cooks have plates to plate on and pans to cook in. And you mean more than you know. So thank you. Okay, y'all. So this is the end of the podcast. This is where I kind of give you some updates, go over some like thoughts shared on Instagram. Uh, so in the beginning, like I said, I want to do that Bourdain episode. So the instructions are as follows. You have to download the Anchor podcast app. Once you've downloaded the app, look up Line Cook Thoughts, the podcast you're listening to right now. And in the top right on my page is a thing that says voice message. And basically, all you have to do is hit voice message, and you record up to a minute-long voice message on why Anthony Bourdain meant a lot to you. Say your name, say why he meant a lot to you, and I'm going to put it all into one podcast and share it with the world. And I really think that if he meant a lot to you, it's so important that you get on on this episode because... I really think that if we get enough people and we share it, I think it's going to become something really big. And I can really see it having a positive impact for those who are kind of grieving his loss still. So like I said, if it's really important that he meant a lot to you, please share it. Um, and just, you know, be a part of this project that I'm trying to work on. I think it's super cool to have your input on everything. And I wanted to do an episode around you just giving him your love and your thoughts on why he meant a lot to you. Um, moving forward from that, I just wanted to talk about the new type of posts I'm doing. So uh, I've kind of been, I've been doing this. I've been sharing cooks on my page before, but I want to start a hashtag called know the cook where uh, 
we kind of get more in depth into the people in the industry and the people who have been sharing their thoughts and why they got into the industry. So um, a lot of these posts that I say, hashtag know the cook, it's a picture of someone, a cook, why they got into the industry, what their job title is now, and their future goal. And so if you haven't sent me one yet, please send me a picture of yourself and all that information. And you will be shared. Um, I've shared almost everything that has been sent to me so far, or it's in the in the process of being shared. And yeah, I really value everything you all send me. And I really think it's important to share the people behind the stove too sometimes. And so we're still going to be doing line cook thoughts, but I also wanted to get more chefs on the page because at the end of the day, that's why I started this to have a platform where chefs can relate and connect. And I wasn't really sure how you all would connect until I started sharing your um, profiles on the page. So some line cook thoughts I wanted to get into. This first one's coming from at cheffit.ed. And he says, kitchens are hard environments, but they form incredibly strong people and make you push every single minute of your life. And I really enjoy this because he's right. Like at the end of the day, kitchens still are hard. Like kitchen work is still hard. No matter that the industry is changing and kind of getting away from the harshness, uh, you know, that it used to have in terms of abuse and mental abuse and uh, verbal abuse, it's still a hard profession to get into and it informs incredibly strong people. And I'm very excited to just share that with people. So thank you so much for sharing that. This next one is from at needs more butter. And it says, as we fight to achieve veteran status in the kitchen, I think it's important to remember what it felt like to be a newbie, not just the excitement, but the fear and the anxiety and how a little kindness from others who reached out to help you went a long way towards assuaging them. Kindness and patience are not anathema to excellence. I truly believe that a good work environment is built on compassion and it's on all of us to build a community that has our backs while pushing us forward. And I love this. I love the message that you have to be supportive of each other, that you have to be compassionate of e- for each other, and that you have to just show kindness and be willing to take some time and share with others why they're important, why they mean a lot, and why it's just so important to be able to share and talk and just be a valuable person to others. And I really just enjoyed the sentiment that being kind can lead to success. And, you know, same thing with Line Cook Nation, Line Cook Thoughts, building that community, that growth is so important. The next quote is from at Kayla.Demiro. And she says, when I cook, I like to use the freshest ingredients, if possible, from local farms. It feels good knowing where my food comes from and supporting local farmers. I know it's a big thing. Sustainability and local food is a huge topic that is thrown around a lot. But it's still so important to remember that at the end of the day, you still have to you still have to keep, you know, sharing the message that local food is important because it's you need to have these relationships with farmers. You need to have relationships with the community around you. And the only way you truly do that is um, through through sharing the message that local food is important and fresh food is important. So I just really think that was an important message to share out there and one that is shared a lot, but I feel like now that we've heard it so much, we're not really focusing on it as much. So just remember locality is important, y'all. I know you do, but just keep that message going. And this last one comes in from at the Cyclops Cook. And they say, in my opinion, the best thing about the food industry is the camaraderie, the ability to develop a second family. Because you often spend so much time away from your real one. You learn so much about a person cooking with them, their interests, their taste in music, their complaints about their home life. The gaggle of misfits that work in our industry become our brothers and sisters 
and we're often made better with them in our lives. This idea of the back of house, the brigade as a family is something that's so important to me because at the end of the day, if you can't recognize the people you're working with as family, like I think that's an issue because you spend so much time there. You might, you don't have to like any, everyone, but like you should have that feeling that you belong, that you have a, that you're with a family of people and that you're working hard. And I feel that if you don't feel like that at work, the system's broken in some way. And like, I've been fortunate enough to be at places where everywhere I've worked, I felt like I've been a part of a family in some way. There was one place a couple of years ago, I felt like I didn't belong. Um, but everywhere else, I feel like, you know, this is my family. I go into work and I see the people that, you know, I would want to hang out with on my day off sometimes, you know, like it's important to recognize that who you're working with and where you're working feels like camaraderie. There's a feeling of tightness. There's a feeling that it's more than just work. And I think that's so important. So thank you all for sharing your line click thoughts. And I'm just going to keep sharing them on the podcast. And like I said, I'm going to keep saying thank you because it's so important that you share these things with me. It's so important that I build this platform for y'all to just reach out to and just connect and share. And it's just been great. On this podcast, I just want to say thank you for listening to the first 30 minutes on my thoughts on Michelin and just more on being an entrepreneur as a chef and why I think that turning point in my life was so important to be shared. And I wanted to thank you all for every day just liking and sharing and posting and listening. And it's just been amazing. Uh, The podcast is almost at 5,000 total plays, which is insane to me. I never thought anyone would want to listen to me that much. Um, but like I said, it means a lot and I am truly blessed and I just, just thank you all so much Line Click Nation. Uh, please don't forget to keep sharing your profiles. Don't forget about the Bourdain episode. Don't forget to check out linecookthoughts.com if you want to buy some merchandise and just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening again this week. And I look forward to releasing my schedule of guests for the upcoming month. Thank you all so much and we'll see you on the next episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you so much for listening and check out LineClickThoughts.com.